Hello, Freedom House Church, Central Campus. You guys doing great today? It is so good to be here with you, to see all your lovely faces. I don't know if y'all know this or not, but y'all are the best looking campus out there. Yeah, you are. I see people over there going, what? Come on, man. You're, you're good looking. Take it. It's a compliment. Look at each other and turn to the person beside you and say, we're a good looking campus. Come on, turn. Hey, we looking good today. Yeah, y'all are good looking campus. It is always great to be here with you. Uh, My name is Olin Carter. I serve on our teaching team. So maybe some of you are new today. That is something that is very special that I love so much about Freedom House Church is that we do everything here as a team. And that includes teaching and preaching God's word. And so we have a live communicator, a pastor at every campus, every weekend to teach and preach God's word in the flesh so you can come up and talk to us and ask questions and things like that. That's a big part of our senior pastor's vision, Pastor Troy and Pastor Penny. So can we give um, a, a big hand clap, some honor to our senior pastors today? Amen. I love them. They don't ask us to do that, but I love to honor them. Because of their vision, I get to do something that I love to do. It also makes room for you. So if you're new, hey, there is a place for you here at Freedom House Church. We're one big family, and we do everything as a team. So there's a part on that team for you to play. And, man, we're excited for you to be here. And before we jump in today, I want to greet our online campus. We have people right now joining us from Michigan, Pennsylvania, New York, Ohio, South Carolina, Tennessee, Georgia, and Florida. Will you guys give it up for them? Awesome. We're so glad you're with us today. You're a part of this family too. We love you guys so much. And we're in a great series right now, A Thrill of Hope. And how many of you know this is the season of the year? It's a season of hope, but it's also a season that can kind of amplify however you feel. You know, if if it's a season that, man, maybe you're, you're new in love, you know what, man, you're really in love, right? It's Christmas time. No better time to be in love than at Christmas time. But if you're hurting, man, it amplifies your hurt. If you've lost someone during the year, if you're dealing with pain, with loss, with brokenheartedness, man, this time of year, it kind of amplifies that, right? And, and how many of you know there's a lot of hurting people this time of year? And man, I'm here today to be a hope dealer, Just like Pastor Troy talked about last week. How many of you were here last week or heard Pastor Troy's message? Awesome. If you didn't, man, go to our YouTube channel. Check out, man, incredible, incredible message. He talked about hope when it's hard. And and you know, you need hope the most when you're going through something that's hard. And I'm going to build on his message today. So if if you didn't hear his message, check it out because I'm going to kind of keep going, kind of building on some of the thoughts that he had because, you know, you need hope when it's hard, but I think for some of us, man, we already passed the hard season and we've been left with some hurt and some pain. If you're taking notes today, the title of my message is Hope for the Broken Hearted. Hope for the Broken Hearted. Man, I've really been praying a lot, really been believing God for what the Holy Spirit is going to do today. Because I know there's many of us that are experiencing a broken heart. Man, it's, it's, none of us are immune from that. We all go through hurts and pains. And man, sometimes, you ever been to a funeral before and it was like the pastor? We, there was this one recently, not too long ago, some of our staff members were at it and we left the funeral and we were all just kind of like, Phew. like the pastor just missed his opportunity, right? You ever been in one of those where it's just a bunch of cliche non-answers? Like, you know, behind every dark cloud, there's a silver lining. And the Lord has a, you know, a purpose for everything, and he's so mysterious. And, you know, if, if you ain't got nothing better than that to say to me when I'm hurting, shut up. <laughs> right? I mean, like, that's not helpful. I don't need to hear all the cliches. I need an answer. When my heart is broken, you ever been there before? You're in pain. Your heart is broken. You need some truth. You need someone who believes in what they say they believe. I think sometimes pastors, I think sometimes Christians, we're afraid to really preach the gospel, to to, to heal or to uh, comfort the brokenhearted because we're afraid maybe I don't want to issue or I don't want to give out false hope. But can I tell you something today? I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid because I know the hope ain't false. It's real. 
There is substance. There is true hope found in the cross of Jesus Christ. There is not one broken heart in here today that God can't heal. God can heal anybody. He can heal any broken heart. There is hope for you no matter what you've been through, what you're going through today. There is hope for you. I believe that. I'm just crazy enough to believe it, and I'm going to preach hard today. Come on. Come on. I'm going to preach hard today. Whether you amen me or not, I'm going to preach hard today because I know the Holy Spirit is here, and I know there's some people in the house with a broken heart. And and here's where my faith is. You're not going to leave with one. You're going to leave with a heart. You might still have some pain, but you're going to leave with a heart that Jesus has bound up. You're going to leave with a heart that the healing process has begun. You're going to leave with a fresh hope today. Why? Because we serve a living God, a powerful God, and he can heal the brokenhearted. I don't know about you, but I've heard this cliche many times that time heals all wounds. Anybody ever heard that before? That is a lie from the pit ale, isn't it? Time does not heal all wounds. Time does not heal. I've had wounds before, and you can let that wound go and fester, and you know what? Don't get any better at all. In fact, sometimes time just makes it worse. You're hurting. You haven't experienced the healing power of God. And you know what happens? Our emotional scars are not like our physical scars. See, your physical scars, they kind of, you know, the skin gets tough and it kind of heals and then it's more resilient. But our emotional scars, if left unhealed, can easily be opened up again and can hurt just as badly as when they first happened. Anybody experienced that before? Man, it can be something as small as an aroma you smell. For me, it's cigarette smoke. I can smell a certain brand of cigarette, and you know what? Instantly, I think of my father because that was the brand of cigarette that he smoked. And so I just get that smell in in, in my nostrils, and it's like, whoo, emotion. Like I feel something, right? It triggers something in me. And and I experience some kind of emotion. And all of us are like that. Time does not heal all wounds. God does. God is the only one that can heal our wounds. And if that is true, and if healing comes from God, then healing must start with God. If you're in here today and you're like, man, my heart is broken. Listen, healing starts with God. I don't know what to do. I've been feeling like this five years, ten years. Listen, healing starts with God. The healing process has to start with you trusting and believing in God. It starts when I believe God sees my pain, understands my pain, and cares about my pain. I'm going to say it again. If you're taking some notes today, write these down. It starts when I believe God sees my pain, he understands my pain, and he cares about my pain. Psalm 69 verse 19, it says, you know the insults I endure. This is King David. He's writing. He's got a broken heart. He's pouring his heart out to God. And he says, you know the insults I endure. Why does he say that? Why does he say you know? Because he's telling God, God, I'm hurting and I know you see it. And sometimes that's kind of, it's hard. Because you're like, man, God, I know God's in heaven. I know he can see what I'm going through. Why doesn't he make it stop? Why doesn't he rescue me from this instantly? Why do I have to endure this pain? And David is crying out and he's saying, you know the insults that I endure, my shame and disgrace. You are aware of all my adversaries. Insults have broken my heart and I am in despair. I waited for sympathy, but there was none. For comforters, but found no one. Instead, they gave me gall for my food. And for my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. This psalm was written by King David, but it's clearly prophetic of Jesus. And many times in the Old Testament, through prophecy, God actually gives us a window to see into what Messiah, Jesus, was suffering, was feeling, was experiencing on the cross. Sometimes you can learn more about the the heart, the inner workings, the thoughts of Jesus through the Old Testament than even the New because these prophecies show us, they give us a glimpse into what Jesus was feeling, what he was thinking in that moment. And it reveals something very reassuring 
to those of us today that are struggling with grief and loss. Those of us that would say, I have a broken heart. And it's this, Jesus, Jesus experienced a broken heart. That's reassuring. Because some of us feel guilty for hurting. Because I'm a Christian. And I come to church, and I'm a Christian. I come into church, and I've got to, you know, i got to be spiritual. And when someone asks me, how are you doing today? i got to say, I'm blessed and highly favored. Isn't that the right answer? i got to, you know, that's the script. You look it up, you go to the store Lifeway, they got like script of Christian cliches, right? you you gotta, you got to say the right thing. I'm blessed. How are you doing? Better than I deserve, right? So that's old Dave Ramsey one. I'm better than I deserve, right? you got to say what you think people expect, you know, or you're not spiritual enough. You're not serving God. Like, I'm coming to church, and I'm supposed to be here for others and pray for you and help you, and so I don't, I'm not allowed to hurt. I'm not allowed to feel pain. Guess what? Jesus did. You don't have to feel guilty for having a broken heart because our Lord experienced a broken heart. Jesus experienced a broken heart, and Jesus not only brings us hope, Jesus is our hope. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God, our Savior, and of Jesus Christ, our hope. He is hope. And this holiday season is all about Jesus coming to bring hope to the world. Jesus embodies hope. Jesus generates hope. Jesus is hope. And even Jesus... Hope himself experienced a broken heart. Think about that for a minute. Hope himself experienced a broken heart. And so I can too. You can too. None of us are immune from a broken heart. And I don't need to feel guilty for being broken. I need to express it. I need to be open about it. I need to bring that brokenness to God because he sees my pain. He understands my pain. And he cares about my pain. Jesus came. He experienced what he experiences. Why? So he could offer hope to the brokenhearted. He was the king of kings, but he was shamed, disgraced, stripped down, beaten, mocked. The very people he came to save showed him no mercy. Instead, they offered him vinegar to drink. They spit on him. They laughed at him. And we can say that Jesus knew his mission was to die on the cross, but he was fully Man, when you study the theology of Jesus, of Christ, of who he was, you learn through the Bible, through Scripture, that he was fully God, but he was also fully man. And that means he experienced every emotion you do. If you get angry, Jesus could get angry. If you feel lost, Jesus could feel lost. If you feel pain and hurt, Jesus could feel that as well. And Jesus lived his entire life experiencing The pain of watching the people around him hurting, dying, lost, and yet they rejected him as the answer. Can you imagine how frustrating that must be? To know, I can heal you, I can help you, I can bless you. Just come to me, just believe. Man, I've got the answer, I am the answer. And then people just walk away broken. He had a broken heart. I can't even imagine how it must have felt to be Jesus. We've all heard about what he endured on the cross physically, but we rarely hear what he endured emotionally. I I believe that what Jesus went through emotionally was actually greater, more difficult than what he went through physically. As hard as that may be to believe, we, we see if you've seen The Passion of the Christ or these other movies and you see him beaten and you see him whipped and you see him put on the cross and you see him blood just pouring I believe that was secondary to what he experienced in his heart. The emotional pain that Jesus went through. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 3. It says he was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. And we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Many times in Scripture we see Jesus weep. 
We see him look over Jerusalem and he just, he just bawls. He just weeps because he sees the people. They have no shepherd. They're lost. And sometimes I don't think we really wrap our brain around the emotional pain that Christ went through. I think the only thing that maybe we could kind of understand a little bit of it if we're a parent and we see our child hurting, we see our child sick, we see our child going the wrong way. As parents in the room, raise your hand if you're a parent today. Is there anything worse than seeing your child hurting? I can't think of anything. Remember I was talking to somebody once, they said, man, if you died, you could come back to earth for a few minutes, what would be the one thing you'd want to experience. And, you know, I thought about that. My answer was, you know, if I died, I was up in heaven. They said, you could come back to this life and experience something just for like 10 minutes. What would it be? It would be to come back and see my children laugh. There's nothing that warms your heart as a parent than to see your kids laughing, having a good time. But there's nothing that hurts your heart like seeing your kids suffer, seeing your kids in pain, seeing your kids sick. Man, it's just tough as a parent. Well, imagine being Jesus and Jesus, everyone around him. Listen, he loved those people more than any of us love our kids because he was God. Perfect love. Perfect love. He looked every person in the eye and he could see their past, their present, their future. He knew everything about them. He, he knew their heart. He knew where they were hurting and he loved them so much and he had to watch them look at him as the answer and then most of them walk away broken hopeless because they wouldn't turn to God they wouldn't repent can you imagine the emotional pain that Jesus endured now why do I say that because I know there's people in here today and you're hurting you've got a broken heart and you're thinking right now Preacher, you talk a good game, but you don't know what I'm going through. You've never experienced what I've experienced. You've never been betrayed like I have. You've never lost someone like I have. You don't know the tragedy I've been through. And listen, you're right. I don't. I don't know what everyone in here has been through. But he does. He can identify with your pain. He can understand your pain. He cares for your pain. And not one of us in here have been through more emotional pain, loss, more of a broken heart than Jesus has. And so the Bible says he came. Why? To suffer, to endure, to live in our skin, to experience what we experience. Why? So he could be our advocate, our counselor, our help. The Bible calls him our high priest in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Look at this with me. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, grieving, having a broken heart is a normal process. God designed us that when we lose things, when things are hurting we go through this thing where our heart is broken and then there's a healing. There's a time process where God can heal that and we can process it and mourn and that's normal. And so if you're here today, maybe you just lost someone. Listen, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a, that's a normal process. But sometimes we get trapped with a wounded heart. Sometimes there are things in our life that cause a broken heart to stay broken. And that's not God's will for your life. He doesn't want you, if you're here today and you had a broken heart, he doesn't want you to continue to always have a broken heart. No, he wants to heal your broken heart. He wants to bring healing. He wants to bind up that wounded, open, broken heart. He wants to bind up that heart. He wants to offer you hope. But we must first believe and trust that God sees our pain. He cares about our pain. He understands our pain. But listen, that is not enough in and of itself. Just to believe that God is good, he's not hurting me, he's not maybe against me, but you know, he's this good God, this benevolent guy in the sky, that's not enough. 
I have to also believe that I have access to enter the throne room of grace, to confidently draw near, to obtain mercy and grace in my time of need. I've got to personally believe that I can access God. I can access his grace for me right now, for what I need in my life. It's not enough to believe that God helped other people. Oh, I know in the Bible he did it. I know for other people he did it. No, I've got to believe he will do it for me. I've got to believe that. It's kind of like you have a benevolent billionaire. Pick one. Let's say it's Elon Musk. And he's worth, you know, whatever it is now. I lose track. It's like $200 billion, right? He's got enough money to solve any financial need you have, right? But you and I don't have access to him. And even if you believed he's a super nice guy, I don't know the man. Maybe he's a great guy. I don't know. Maybe he goes around and helps people. Maybe you believe that. You still don't have access to him. doesn't help you. might help someone else. You believe, oh, yeah, he's a good dude. doesn't help me. doesn't help meet my needs, but then take a grocery store. You can leave here today, and every one of us believes we have access to the grocery store, right? I can go to, the, I can go to Harris Teeter right now. I can buy some food. I can meet a temporary need, but the supply is limited, And so some of us, we turn to physical, limited answers to our broken heart because we don't think we have access to the benevolent billionaire in the sky. We think, oh, sure, God's good. I've heard a lot of good stuff, and I'm sure he helped other people, but he won't help me. you got to believe again today that he will help you, that his answer is yes, that he loves you you. He cares about you. He sees your pain. He understands your pain. He cares deeply about your pain. He will move for me. And so what are some of the reasons, the things that keep our broken hearts broken? I'm going to give you four of them today. So if you're taking notes, you want to write these down. Four things that keep my broken heart broken. Are we going to put them on the screen? No. Sometimes I put stuff on the screen. Sometimes I don't because you got to pay attention. I missed it. Went cheat off a Christian beside you. Cheat off their notes. Number one, shattered expectations. Shattered expectations. Things that keep my broken heart broken. Number one, shattered expectations. Things haven't turned out the way I thought they would, and so why would I think that's going to change? God didn't heal me before. Why would I think he's going to heal me now? God let it happen to me. Why do I think he's going to intervene and fix it? I didn't get what I expected. And so why should I continue to believe? Why should I continue to have faith? Sometimes, and this is the best indication for this, we stop praying. I time in my life, my father passed away. Right after that, I went through kind of a period where I was processing that, dealing with that, and I stopped praying. Now, I didn't stop praying. I stopped praying. Some of y'all know what I mean. Because you can pray, but not pray. Because I'm a pastor. I'm a leader. Like, I got to pray, right? I'm at church. I got to pray. Pray over my food. Do my daily devotionals. Like, that kind of stuff. You know, I prayed, but I didn't pray. There's a difference between praying and praying. Because you can say the words, but not believe they penetrate the ceiling. You can say the words, but not believe anything will actually happen because you said them. You can pray but not actually have hope that God is going to intervene because you prayed. And some of us have stopped praying. We pray, but we don't pray. Shattered expectations. The second one is damaging role models. We often relate to God through the lenses of how, other, or how we related to our parents or other people in our life. So now because my parents hurt me, these people hurt me, you know what I think maybe... I'm relating to God through that. Maybe he'll hurt me or maybe he won't answer me or maybe he's neglecting me. Damaging role models. The third one is wrong doctrine. We have been taught, many of us, that God is good but his ways are mysterious. Right? Anybody ever been taught that one? God's way, you can't know God's ways. They're mysterious. And so we come up here today and we've got a prayer line and man, you know, God's, God's mysterious now. So, you know, he's going to bless some people. So Joe over here, he's going to get blessed. God's going to bless him because, you know, God's mysterious. You never know what God's going to do. So he's going to get a promotion. Things are going to be good for him. But Sally over here, she came up for prayer. And man, after church today, she's going to get run over by a bus. 
Because God's mysterious. You don't know what God's going to do. Anybody ever been taught that before? And so then we develop an image of God like he's an unpredictable father. I don't know if he's going to hug me or hit me. I don't know what God's going to do. Because God is unpredictable. Wrong doctrine. The last one is guilt. If you study the grief cycle, when we have a broken heart, when we've gone through loss in our life, one of the most common emotions we experience is guilt. Isn't that crazy? Because something happened to us and then we feel bad about it. Somebody dies in our life and we think, should I have done more? Could I have done more? Was our relationship good? What would it have happened if? Did I have enough faith? Did I do something wrong? Is God judging me? And we, we get trapped by guilt and then our broken heart stays broken. So what do we do about these four things? There are others, but I think these are four of the most prominent ones that I hear. So let's go through them together real quick. Shattered expectations. Number one, shattered expectations. What do we need to do? We need to expect unmet expectations. We need to expect unmet expectations. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. This world is not perfect. Our expectations will never be fully met perfectly in this life. Our hope is found only in Jesus. And I hate to break it to you, but in this life, you're never going to live your best life now. There's a popular book out there, right? Live your best life now. You're not going to live your best life now. You can live a blessed life now. And if you've been through the blessed life, how many of you have been through our blessed life series? Good. Do you feel more blessed? I do. And you can live a blessed life now, but you're never going to live your best life now because your best life is in heaven. And so I can't expect in a fallen, sinful world to live my best life for everything to go the way I expect it to go all the time because bad things are going to happen and I'm not always going to know why. And it's crazy for me to expect anything else because if I did, that would make the Bible false. I remember being on a mission trip years ago. We were in Guatemala. And if you've ever been on a mission trip before with people who haven't been on a mission trip before, I've been on many of them, at some point in the trip, when you're in a, like a third world country, the people that have never been there before, their brains are going to break, like just snap. And I was watching these ladies, and I knew they're getting close. Like they're teetering. You know, I can see it on their faces. It was like, man, they, ooh, they, they're about to break. We did our morning devotionals together, and then a few of them, they came to me, and they were like, they just lost it. They're crying, shaking, like they're just losing it. And then they, if God is a good God, like, I don't know, like, there's so much poverty. There's so much, you know, despair. Like, how can this even be real? And I'm like, whoa, 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 I got you, I got you. Okay, listen, listen, if the Bible is true and sin brings death and destruction and the world is full of sin and sinners, shouldn't this be how the world is? And they said, uh, yeah, I guess so. And I said, and most of it is. This is how most of the world is. It's broken and it's dark. Why? Because it's fallen. Because the Bible is true. And here's the, the real question. When all your atheist friends or people you know that have fallen away from God and they go, well, yeah, if your God is so good and he's so loving, why do bad things happen to good people? Number one, there ain't no good people. But number two... That's a silly question. Because when you understand that we live in a fallen, broken world, the real question is not why do bad things happen. The real question is why do any good things happen? No good thing should ever happen in this fallen world. It should just deteriorate and just implode on itself because there's so much sin, so much darkness, so much despair. So when someone comes to you and says, well, if your God is so good, why do bad things happen? That's a silly question. Why do any good things happen? The only reason that anyone's ever healed, delivered, saved, the only reason that a church like ours would raise $78,000 and send it across the world to people we've never met, that's crazy. Y'all are crazy. And your accountant will tell you that. You go to do your taxes and you're a tither, what do they say? What in the world are you doing? I give 10% of my income to the Lord and he blesses me, takes care of me. You're an idiot. 
Like that math doesn't make sense. Why would you give away 10%? Because I'm crazy enough to believe in a good God who will take care of me. So the question is not why do bad things happen. The question, why do good things happen? And so I know this in my best life. My best life is coming. And this life is blessed because when my heart is broken, I got a God who loves me enough to send his son so that he can know my pain, see my pain, understand my pain, care about my pain. He can heal me even when I'm broken. I can live a blessed life now, but I know this is never my best life because my best life is coming. Revelation chapter 21 verse 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Come on. That's hope right there. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. I know this ain't going to be my best life because he tells me when my best life starts. My best life starts when I get to heaven, when I'm in his presence. Every single day, man, my best life's going to start, and there will be no more death. There will be no more pain. But while I'm living in this fallen world, I understand sometimes my expectations aren't going to be met. For someone who doesn't trust in Jesus, and maybe you're in here today, and you would say, man, I don't know, I'm exploring this thing. I'm thinking about this thing. Maybe I believe in God, but I don't know about Jesus. I'm trying to make up my mind. Listen, for someone who doesn't trust in Christ, this life is the best you'll ever know. But for those of us who trust in Jesus... For those of us who have been born again, who have this hope in our heart, this life is the worst thing we'll ever experience. For us, it's just going to get gooder and gooder and gooder and gooder and gooder and gooder and gooder. My blessed life's going to turn into my best life. I'm going to leave this body behind. I'm going to get a new one. No more pain. No more tears. Man, I've got hope. I've got hope so I know when bad things happen, my reaction might be heartbreak, it might be disappointment, but the Bible says mourn with those who mourn. Nothing wrong with that. But Paul also says don't mourn as those who have no hope. So when I lose someone dear to me, it hurts. I miss that person. But listen, when you lose someone, you know what? That's just verification that the Bible is true. Because when we lose people, why does our heart hurt? Because we expect eternity. Because we know instinctively death isn't the way God designed it to be. There's something better. This world is broken. The second thing that can keep my broken heart broken is damaging role models. And what we have to learn to do as believers, and this is difficult, but we must put revelation above experience. I must put my personal revelation that I've received from God through his word, the revelation of God through Jesus, I've got to put that above my experiences with people. Because listen, every one of us have bad experiences. Every one of us can get trapped in that pain of our bad experience. And part of living in a fallen world is dealing with broken people. But hear me, God is not like our parents. God is not like the people who hurt you. God is not like that spouse that cheated on you, that abandoned you. God is not like that person who stabbed you in the back. God is not like the bad experiences you've been through. Numbers 23 verse 19, it says, God is not a man. He is not a man that he might lie. Or a son of man that he might change his mind. Does he speak and not act or promise and not fulfill? Man, we can have trust in the hope of Jesus. We can know that he sees our pain. He understands our pain. He cares deeply for our pain. Why? Because he has revealed to us the heart of the Father. And because he's not like people in this world. God is perfect. His love for us is perfect. And so we can trust in that. The third thing is wrong doctrine. We've been taught, oh, maybe God's good, but he's mysterious. You can never know his ways. We've been taught some crazy things in the church. And what we have to do is we have to embrace God's true nature. What is God really like? We need to learn. We need to know. What does the Bible say? What is God really like? And Jesus reveals to us God's heart and his nature. I used to work with a guy who's president of the company I worked at and 
great guy, full of integrity, loved the Lord, Christian guy, really good guy. And he called me one time. We would have these talks about the Bible. And he called me one time and he says, hey, man, I got to ask you a question. I said, all right. He said, you believe God heals people? I said, yes, I do. Seen it. Experienced it. He said, okay. You believe it's always God's will to heal, heal somebody? God doesn't say no. And I said, yeah, I believe God's heart is to heal us. He says, well, I believe God can heal, but sometimes I just think he says he's not going to heal, like he just says no. And I said, okay, valid question. I said, let me ask you a question. When in, in the New Testament, you believe, as a Christian, that Jesus is the express image of God, right? He said, yes, I do. I said, do you believe that God came to show us, to demonstrate to us the heart of the Father? Yes, I do. I said, do you believe God perfectly obeyed the Father, that he, he portrayed the Father's will in every situation? He's the perfect image representation of God's heart, his nature, his will. He said, yes, I do, 100%. I said, okay, here's my question for you. How many times in the New Testament did someone sick, hurting, come to Jesus and say, if it be your will, heal me? How many times did he say no? And he went, you know, I've never thought about it like that. I said, how many times did someone come to him hurting? Master, if it be your will, heal me. And Jesus say, eh, not so much for you today. I'm going to heal Bob. Then I've kind of met my quota. That's seven healings today. I'm going to go have a sandwich. Talk to Peter. Maybe see me next week. How many times do you see that in Scripture? How many times do you see Jesus say, no, 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 not you. Not you. You're too much of a sinner. You don't deserve my love. You don't deserve. How many times do we see Jesus do that? Not one time. Hebrews 1, verse 3, the Son, Jesus, the Son, is the radiance of God's glory in the exact, not approximate, not almost, it says the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Man, isn't it good to know? Man, we got a blueprint. We've got a son that shows us the heart of the father. We've got a Christ, a Messiah, a Savior that came and he had mercy on us. He loved us and he didn't turn anyone away. Man, I can have hope. I don't have to be caught. I don't have to keep a broken heart because some guy in the past who got disgruntled, burned out, frustrated with God, told me, oh, God doesn't heal anymore. God doesn't do that anymore. God's ways are mysterious. No, they're not. God's ways are not mysterious. He loves you enough that he would send Jesus while you were his enemy to die for you. Now that you're his son, Romans uh, 5 verse 8, how much more now will he give you all things? That's pretty simple. If I adopt you when you're my enemy, forgive you, adopt you into my family, if I was kind enough to do that when you're my enemy, you don't think I'm going to take care of you now that you're my child? And we got Christians going around thinking God's padlocked the refrigerator. Well, I know I'm his child, but God's ways are mysterious. That is stupid. It doesn't even make sense. It's not biblical. And so I don't say that to demean any denomination or pastor. I know some of it's good-hearted, and that's their interpretation and all that stuff. But I've seen my God move. And he is no respecter of persons. So if he'll heal me, he'll heal you too. If he'll heal my broken heart, he'll touch your broken heart. There's not one of you in here today that are exempted out of God's love and God's grace. You don't know what I've done. Jesus does. Jesus does. He came, he died before you did it, knowing you would do it, and then offered it to you anyway. And so there's none of us in here that are exempted from the goodness and the mercy of God. He says, come boldly. He says, come boldly. There's some of us in here today, we've stopped praying. We've stopped coming boldly because of number four, guilt. Guilt. And we have to trust in Jesus. You have to trust in Jesus as your high priest. 
The Bible tells us that he went through all of that. Why? To be our advocate, to be our counselor, to be our high priest. And it tells us this, that God doesn't respond to me based on what I've done. He responds to me based on what Jesus has done. And so when you need something from heaven, you write the check. Listen, your faith writes a check that God will honor based on Jesus' bank account. He doesn't look at your bank account. He doesn't go in there and go, hey, uh, Gabriel, pull up, uh, pull up Javier's account. I don't know. He's been asking for a lot lately. I think he might be running, uh, might be overdrawing his account. I don't think we can heal you this week. You got to put in a little more work there, mister. Maybe tithe a little more. Maybe give a little more. Show some love. You hadn't forgiven that one person, you know? Yeah. Yeah, let's decline that check. Let's send that back. But he's got a broken heart. Not this week. Let's decline it. Let's send it back. That's not how heaven works. They get the check. Hey, this, this child needs healing, needs deliverance. Hey, check the account. Whose account? Jesus's. But there's too many zeros. I can't even see the end exactly. The answer is yes. The answer from our father is yes. Why? Because we have a high priest that stands in between us and God and is forever, the Bible says, making intercession for you. He is on your side. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. We read this before, verse 15 and 16 again. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He knows, he understands, he sees but one who in every respect was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16, let us then with confidence, I can walk right into the throne room of God and draw near to the throne of grace that we may re- uh, receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Man, God is good. And so when we have a broken heart, we don't have to feel guilty as a Christian man. I'm hurting today. Listen, yes, we've all experienced it. Hope himself experienced a broken heart, but he sees your pain. He knows. He understands your pain. He cares deeply for your pain. And he came and he suffered. Why? So he could be your high priest. So he could go between you and God. He could give you access to obtain the mercy, the grace, the help you need right now in your heart. It's not for someone else. It's not a good God that did great things in the Old Testament. No, he's a living God who loves you today. And he wants to heal your broken heart. When we understand that God sees our pain, understands our pain, cares deeply about our pain, healing can begin. And when we unlock our expectations from our past, from the damaging role models, from the wrong teaching about God, from guilt, from shame that we may still feel from our loss, we can step into Jesus as our hope. I'm going to read you one more prophetic passage that shows us Jesus' heart for the broken hearted, how he is hope for the broken hearted. It's found in Isaiah chapter 61. It's such a beautiful passage. This is the, the passage of scripture that Jesus, when he returned to his hometown in Nazareth, that he opened up and he read to announce his public ministry. So Jesus is coming back and he's going to announce, man, I'm here. I am the Christ. Like I am here to save the lost. And this is the passage that he read. He says in verse 1, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and to the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. This is why we celebrate Christmas. And when I was praying about this message and you and what I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do today, he showed me this verse that Jesus came to bind up the brokenhearted. And you know what's interesting, that word bind, when you look it up in the original language, it wasn't the word you would use literally for a bandage or to bind up. 
What that word was, it was literally, it was the word like to bind, to tie things together. They would often use that word when they would saddle a horse or a donkey. So it was to take two things and to bind them together as one thing. And figuratively, they would use it to speak of healing. So they would say bind up as a metaphor or figuratively to heal. And I said, God, what do you want to do today? I know there are people, their hearts are, they're broken, they're hurting. God said, I want to bind their broken heart. I said, what does that mean? He said, I want to take two things. See, God doesn't want to put a Band-Aid on your broken heart. It's not what he wants to do. He wants to take two things and he wants to bind them together to be one thing, to be almost like inseparable. He wants to bind two things together to bring healing to your broken heart. I said, God, what are the two things? He said, I want to take their heart and I want to bind it to my heart. God wants to take your heart and he wants to bind it together with his heart. He wants to bring you healing. Why? Because he says, when I bind your heart with my heart, my heart has already experienced anything and everything more than your heart will ever experience and my heart can take it. Never again will you experience pain without his presence. Never again will you experience pain without his purpose. Because now your heart will be bound together with his heart. God says, that's what I want to do today. That's why I sent Jesus. That's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I want to bind up the broken hearted. If that's you today and you've experienced brokenness, maybe right now you say, man, I'm hurting. Something's happened. Something's happened to me in the past. Maybe, maybe years ago, but man, that broken heart has stayed broken and you're like man I need healing I need God's touch I need that grace I need that mercy in my time of need if that's you today and you want God to bind your heart with his heart if you want that binding you want that healing right now I want you to stand on your feet if that's you right now stand on your feet the Holy Spirit is here and I believe he's going to do a work in your heart today if you're online, this is for you as well. And here's, here's where it begins, church. First and foremost, it begins with binding our heart to his with salvation. So if you're here today and you've never been saved, you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, listen, he wants to bind your heart to his heart. That's where it all starts. And so if that's you today and you would say, man, I need God in my life. I've never truly received the hope of Jesus. I don't know today if I died, I would go to heaven. I don't know that I have a relationship with God. If that's you, you want him to bind your heart to his heart. If that's you, would you just lift your hand up right now all over the room? Just lift up your hand. Amen. Amen. We're going to pray this prayer together. Amen. And this is for you as well online. You can lift your hand. There's a button in the chat. We've got people to pray with you. This is for you as well. Maybe you're at home right now. You can stand up in your living room and lift up your hand to God. So for all those who lifted up their hand, listen, we're going to pray a prayer. By faith, God's going to bind your heart. But for everyone else in the room, listen, if you're a believer and you would say, I've got a broken heart, I want you to join in on this as well. And I believe the Holy Spirit, I could go and lay hands on you. God told me, you don't need to do anything. I'm going to do it. God said, my Holy Spirit, I'm going to do it. And there are those of you today, you've given up hope. He's going to touch you today. You're going to feel it. We had people in the first service come up to me. I felt something. Like, God, you're going to feel it. He's going to touch you. You're going to feel something on the inside of you. He's going to restore hope inside of you where you can feel that hope rise up. That, that you've given up. You stop praying. You stop believing. It's coming back. You're going to start believing again, praying again, hoping again, fighting again. Because the Holy Spirit is going to bind up your heart. If that's you today, I want you to lift up both hands. If you're brokenhearted, lift up both hands. Let's pray this prayer together. Pray it by faith. Say, Father God, I receive your healing right now. I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord, my Savior. He died for my sins. He rose again. He is alive and I am saved right now fill me 
with your Holy Spirit and bind my heart to your heart that I'll never be the same again. My heart will be bound to yours in Jesus' name. Now just stand there, lift up your arms and just receive it right now in Jesus' name. If you've been brokenhearted, just lift up your hands right now. Just receive it right now in the name of Jesus. Allow the Holy Spirit just a moment to work in your heart right now. Some of you are feeling it right now. You feel it begin to loosen up. You feel the hope begin to return. It's like a warmth inside of you. Your mind is already starting to think of things like, I'm going to start praying again. I'm going to start believing again. Just receive that right now. Man, the Holy Spirit wants you to leave here different today. He's binding up your heart right now by faith in Jesus' name. Life's not easy. You're going to feel pain, but it won't be the same. It won't be despair. It won't be discouragement. It won't be giving up like before. It's going to be like an attack from the outside, but not the inside. There's going to be something new on the inside, a power, a pressure, exerting out a hope. You're going to be able to walk through things and people are going to be amazed. You're going to have co-workers in the next month. You're going to have co-workers who are going to say, my gosh, how are you so happy? How are you smiling right now? How are you going through this right now? How can you handle this? How do you have so much peace? Because people are going to see the joy, the hope on your face. And we're going to give all the glory to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.